0: True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network.
2: This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am here with the legend, Mr. Dave Van Horn. How you doing? Thanks for joining us today. We are here at PodMax. Yes, we are. You having fun so far? This
0: place is insane. Uh, I've had a great day so far. So, yes, very exciting, incredible place. If you ever get to come to PodMax, do it. Uh, oh, we appreciate that. Um,
2: PodMax is a really cool podcasting event put on uh, by my uh, and my partner, Eric's company on air brands. And we, um, we just love it. We're having a lot of fun here today. So uh, Dave Van Horn has been doing real estate uh, a, a little while He's been around for a while, yeah. Yeah. and has done pretty much everything there is to do in real estate, uh, currently running uh, PPR. Yes. And uh, so if you want to talk to us about uh, PPR briefly, and then uh, let's jump into some of your history.
0: Yes. um, Well, PPR is, oh gosh, we manage several mortgage investment funds that specialize in distressed real estate. Uh, From a property management perspective, yes, we typically have several hundred properties at any given time. Um, And we do a lot of REO work, which is probably a little bit different than what you do. But, uh, you know, I wasn't always in that space and I do have multiple businesses, but, and I still own a significant portion of real estate on my own and uh, some syndications and things like that. You know, I own apartments in Dallas and Phoenix and things like that. So um, done a lot of different things uh, that you are correct. I was a contractor, worked in with a lot of multifamily uh, units and a lot of developers, everything from, you know, 50 to 600 units, uh, done a lot of new construction, you know, multifamily development, that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I could see what the owners went through, and then at, when I was at Remax, I was actually a property manager myself for multiple years, and then I still hire a property managers that work for me. So, right. So um, you, you
2: have either been or hired contractors, property managers, and now you're on the owner side as well. True. And yep. so um, you've got a really, I think, unique experience because you you've got. Lots of times, the owners will just hire those folks, but have ne- maybe never gone through it, or never I've been a contractor. Yes. And your son's a contractor too now, right? Yeah,
0: my um, yeah, my first company was Van Horn Painting. It's been around 28 years, and my oldest son still runs that today. Actually, it's three times the size as well, when I had it. But uh, yeah, that's he, great. yeah, he does a lot of commercial work as well. A lot of multifamily. Oh,
2: good. Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the let's let's talk then about managing contractors? You know, from a, the the multifamily standpoint. You know, that, that could be a potentially hairy situation, right? You know, contractors
0: don't always have the best <laughs> reputation. So it, it, it's, we, we, there's a joke that goes around that the, the contractors are worse than the tenants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and that's alluding to the management issues. So it's, uh, it's like anything else, it's relationship based. What I found over the years, the best way for me to manage contractors was to have something of value, like a fair exchange. And I think that's where there's a challenges, right? Where, um, you know, how do I get contractors to show up? How do I get them to do a good job? How do, how do they get good help? Because their biggest challenge is not the work. It's the labor, right? Right. My son's biggest challenge is the, the help. It's not the jobs. He has, he turns down 10 times the amount of work he does, for okay. example. So there's actually a shortage of good labor in the world, right? So it's, I'm sure you experienced that yeah, as a manager absolutely. as well. Yeah. So one of the things um, that I used to do early on when I was managing my own units, because I would buy my own houses, fix my own houses, and manage my own rentals. And you know I was a realtor, so I was pretty experienced in leasing and things like that. So one of the things that I was fortunate of is because I was a contractor and I was a realtor and I sold investor-friendly property, well, I could offer that to my subs, so, you know, you know how it takes 25, 30 subs to build a property, a house or whatever. Well, it's similar with rehabs, maybe not quite as many subs because you might get a GC that could do a handful of things. But what was nice about that was if like, for example, I had a painting company and we did my some drywall type stuff, things like that. Well, if I did maintenance for them or I did repairs for them or I painted their units, they would come do their my carpentry and my drywall, and my mm-hmm. whatever, my plumbing. The other thing I found that was, a, so there was an exchange of some sort, or I'd find them deals, or I'd be the realtor for their deals, or they'd run title through my title company. You know, like mm-hmm. there was an exchange with the contractors so that I was more valuable than, hey, I want you to come do my one rental in right. the middle of a, a crazy area far away from your other jobs. Because the, the typical contractor, like I used to have builders who would give me a thousand townhouses. Well, Justin, if you have one house on the other side of New Jersey... That you want me to come do, it's difficult yeah. to stop my day to go to your job when I'm leaving behind, you know, some of these other larger contracts or things like that. So one, one strategy is to pay quickly. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that because that sets you apart from the developer where I'm typically waiting. So that you know that that's a typical that you know that's a kind of strategy. Uh, how can you add value in other ways? Well, I can pay quicker, or I can be easier to deal with, or my house is really ready when you get there. Right. And another unique strategy is, is to, what's your biggest headache? So what do I mean by that? So for example, say I manage a lot of properties and my biggest headache is, I don't know, roofing or plumbing. Well, buy that company, be that company. Mm. So in other words, okay, I'm having trouble getting roofers. Well, if I start a roofing company, guess who's showing up, for, who's showing up at my job first? My roofer right. that I own the company. Absolutely. So he's going to take care of all my roofs. Mm-hmm. And then when he has fill-in time, he can go work for the rest of the world. I love that. I love that. So you're thats the opposite of getting rid of your biggest problem, which is like outsource it or sell it <laughs> off. It's kind of it like in- take it on, and bring it in, or like okay, I have a problem with plumbers, or they're my biggest expense. Mm-hmm. Well, start a plumbing company, hire a master plumber, and become your own plumbing company. Now your plumber shows up at all your stuff first, and and you can take care of your friends, and then the rest of the public after that. Like you could you could come up with a unique way to fix that. Pretty quickly. I
2: like that you're putting yourself in the mindset of the, the contractor first, where you're saying, you know, I want to get paid on time. I want the house to be ready. You know, these are things that, you know, maybe it. you might first think it's all about price, but that's probably not really the determining factor. It's is is the next job right next door, or do I have to load up my truck and drive across town? Well,
0: it, it's ease of working with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I worked for, you know, many builders, uh, sometimes 30 different builders at a time, for example. And there was one builder we worked for who was our favorite builder. And he was very strict though, but he paid every two weeks, like clockwork. Well, typical builders take you know, 30, 60, mm-hmm. 90 days to pay sometimes. So you actually had to float it. Um, this builder paid every two weeks like clockwork, but he also had a complaint board. And this was in the days before computers pretty mm-hmm. much. And he had a board in his office. If there was a complaint on one of the job sites, he froze all your checks. Wow. But guess what? everybody handled their complaints, everybody did a good job, everybody got paid every two weeks. That's great. And you know what? That guy had the best job sites and the nicest product and the nicest properties that I could find in Chester County in the county where we were working at the time. Right. So what a great strategy But what a simple strategy. Now, granted, today's, you know, the Internet, you could have your complaint board online. Mm -hmm. It could be be a Google Doc share. You know, it could be whatever. But you get what I mean. How cool would that be to run your operation that tight that, hey, we'll pay you like clockwork. But guess what, guys? There's a complaint board. We have any outstanding issues. They're not taken care of. We freeze all checks on all sites.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love that because it's you're, you're, he's solving the problem not by throwing more cash at it, but by instituting a process. Right. And uh, fair, a fair process too. Yeah. I'll pay you for the work that you've done every two weeks. It will be like clockwork. Then everyone knows they can count on it. So it's probably not costing him any more dollars, but it is costing him some – he's got to set up those processes so that he knows he can review and, and cut those checks and they get them. But by doing that and focusing on those processes, he's now able to set himself apart and the contractors want to work on that job, even if he's not paying the highest amount. Correct. That's really awesome. Um, you know that we find that very similar in multifamily. We're we're doing a bunch of renovations. You know, we'll have two or three contractors, and we'll give them give them the bulk of the turns. You know, six at a time, and when they're done with their, that, that six, they get the next six, and so we're constantly feeding them, and they don't have to leave. They come to the same place every day. They show up, the same scope, same materials, same price, and they just run through the units.
0: Well, another strategy that I always employed was I had multiple contractors for everything. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have, and some of these contractors were like my best friends. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I had six plumbers and six electricians, half a dozen, you know. Now, some trades are harder to get. You know, it could be stonemasons aren't common today, or drywall guys can be tough. You know, there's certain, uh, tile could be tough. Certain trades can be tougher than others. Uh, but I want multiple, you know, I want dependable. Uh, and, and then I've also helped some of my contractors too like my heating and air conditioning guy uh, because I'm in the note space, right For example, uh, one day when I was out to lunch with my uh, heating and air conditioning guy, I, I said to him, have you ever thought about financing the heat units into the building buildings?" Um, and he's like, no, there's a company that does that. I go, I know. Do you ever think of owning it?" And you know later on he went on to where he could get a deposit from a customer which actually would pay for the unit in a lot of cases. He would finance the labor, grab another customer, he would get the residual work for doing the uh, yearly inspections and things, and then it would up the value of his business because his business value is really based on residual income. Mm-hmm. So there's other ways we can help each other and add value to some of the subcontractors. That guy, if I pick, if I call him right now, he will answer my phone no matter what time of day. Right, because you, you know? help
2: leverage some of your experience to grow his business. To grow his business, yeah. That's great. You know, that's um, I think a lot of times contractors. Um, may, may not be thinking that way. They're, they might just be thinking about the job right in front of them. Um, but from your perspective, coming from an, an owner and investor mindset to say, hey, think, think about this over there and lo- look over there and consider that, you're able to scale his business in a way that he probably was not expecting when he walked into that, that restaurant with you for lunch that day.
0: There's also another way is to try to get ownership into the job or some type of accountability. You know, there's painting companies where all the painters own the company. You know, Mm. they they will stay late. They won't send another truck back the next day for a half hour's worth of work. Right. 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 So, yeah, those types of things can be valuable as well if there's a way to build in some type of ownership or accountability. One of the biggest challenges I have in my business is we own hundreds of properties throughout the country. Well, you know, it's like managing a property where everybody's local. You can imagine when it's all spread out. So how do we manage out-of-state properties? Out- and I'm sure in multifamily, you're encountering that as well. One of the things is we build in some checks and balances, sort of like the book uh, David Green wrote on Bigger Pockets, mm-hmm. uh, Out-of-State Investing. Mm-hmm. Great book if you're trying to manage uh, properties out of the area, for example, because not everything's a half hour away from your house. Right. Well, you could build in these checks and balances where the property manager's checking on the contractor or, you know, the realtor's checking. You know, you, you kind of create these checks and balances because the team on the ground ha- it has a vested interest in the outcome of these properties and how well things are going, whether it's the REO agent or the, you know, that type of thing. And you kind of utilize multiple bids and uh, video is a big deal now, right? Mm-hmm. And short drones and... Yep. Um... I have a buddy has a commercial roofing company. They they drone everything up and down the coast. Yep. You know, so. yeah,
2: that's great. Um, I, as a tangent, um, I I bought a drone and I, I get so much value out of it when it comes to real estate. Not only for nice photos, but right. yeah, I don't feel like climbing up on that roof. Let me just send the drone up and yeah, and get a HD bird's idea. To go perfect. You know, like I'm standing four feet over it. Uh, so that's a you know, I love that. Um, so what are some of the processes or systems required for? If, your company's managing um, or dealing with properties all over the country, You know how, how do you keep track of all that?
0: Well, we have REO Asset Managers, mm-hmm. um, they oversee REO agents, they also mm-hmm. oversee um, general contractors, we also have servicers, and the servicers have full services too, mm-hmm. so we can utilize a combination of, and there's also... Um, property preservation companies and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of use different services to send people out to different properties to check on things. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it is a whole array of services yeah, that are available. Yeah. It's all running professionally. No, this is
2: not, you're not flying out there to check on these things. You have people and companies and processes and, oh, yeah. and, no, and clear descriptions. Oh and, yeah. No, and absolutely.
0: It's just like they'll change the locks, they'll board up properties, they'll winterize mm-hmm. properties, they'll cut the grass of properties. Um, you know, there's a gal in my office. She, she can handle a thousand REO properties. Yeah, Great. she's done it before. So, it, you know, you might manage a thousand units in one spot. And you might go. That's you know, a lot of fun in itself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Picture a thousand units, and all the thousand are all over the place, right? So to me, it sounds like a nightmare. It is, but there's there's systems and processes, mm-hmm. just like you said, that you. But you know, you hire those folks that are experts in those categories, and uh, they're they're pretty good at actually doing it. And I'm not saying it's a perfect world. I'm not saying they never have a bad day mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're mitigating losses, and and there's plenty of properties that we do really well on. So great. Get- so uh, you've obviously transitioned uh, beyond beyond that, beyond the dealing
2: with contractors uh, phase. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit about uh, what what you're working on now,
0: and and what kind of keeps you up at night? <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, what I'm working on that. Well, I'm actually really working on expanding our business. Um, and a lot of it, that particular business is a business that's built to sell type Mm -hmm. business. Um, so a lot of its growth related, a lot of it's, um, uh, you know, how do I maximize the business? How do I grow the business? A lot, some of it's staffing, human capital. Human capital is just as important as real money. Absolutely. And then part of it is uh, transitioning too. I'm I want I'm setting up a lot of redundancies so someday you know someday I can retire someday mm-hmm. I can work fewer hours. You know those types of things. And what if you know I don't want to get hit by a bus and jeopardize you know? Eventually the company will be a billion dollar company. Well, you don't want to get hit by a bus, and then yeah. now the billion dollar company is in jeopardy. Right. So it's really systems, processes, redundancy. That kind of you know how do you replace yourself because then you have a truly saleable business. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that buys your business isn't buying a job. They don't they don't want a job. They could go start their own. Business. They're not buying you necessarily. They're, they're not necessarily a buying business. Me. Yeah, right. they're buying the system and the process and what you have built, the brand, that type of thing.
2: Yeah. How do you um, how do you start that process of getting yourself out of the day to day and out of the business?
0: Well, well, part of it is a mind shift because one is we all want to feel needed and necessary and important and all that good stuff. Uh, but it's, it's like legacy planning or estate planning. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about yeah, that, right, right? They don't want right. to deal with it. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to an HR attorney buddy of mine who specializes in that area. And he was driving upstate to go visit some 86-year-old owner who – he hasn't transitioned out of the business basically oh, he's outlived one of his heirs and yeah. you know it's just like his idea of uh exiting the business is death well that's kind of silly <laughs> yeah. and then what happens when you have a lot of employees you know i have right. over 30 employees you know their families count on me too like mm-hmm. i can't jeopardize all those folks because right. i didn't prepare anything that's just not right. prudent you know i mean it, it, at some point it's bigger than you you need to take care of business and and plan for everything, you know, um, whether it's your transition into retirement or into the next phase of your life, or or if something were to happen to you that you had the wherewithal to think about everybody else that helped you build what you built, you know, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of times I think we get stuck in, in just running day to day and looking for the next, the next check, the next job, um, and we don't stop to think about the bigger picture yeah. and processing everything and, and getting the getting the right people in that. So you can not take that step back. It,
0: it, it's almost like the happiest and saddest day of your life with your business is the day that you come into the office or whatever and they tell you, you know, Justin, we, we really don't need you to do Jack today. <laughs> can you go play golf or something? Yeah. And then at the same time, you're going to feel really good about that, but you're going to feel bad about they don't really need me, do they? Right. So it's right. kind of this um, – Yeah, double-edged sword, right? So it's a nice, nice goal to achieve. But at the end of the day, you'll know you've done the right thing and that you've built something special, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Um, Well, that's really uh, our time here. I definitely appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing some insights on uh, managing contractors and and business planning and and all of that. Um, Where can people find out more about Dave Van Horn?
0: Probably the easiest place is online: uh, www.pprnoteco.com. Is definitely the easiest place to find me on notes and also on bigger pockets. I answer questions on almost anything. <laughs> so Dave's super active on bigger <laughs> so pockets. I do, I do do that. Uh, if you want to know anything
2: about notes, Dave has an excellent book um, about note investing. It's called The Book on Note Investing Real right? Estate Note Investing, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, produced, uh, published by Bigger Pockets. It's, it's excellent. So please uh, pick up Dave's book. If uh, you want to reach out to Dave, check out pprnoteco.com and uh, uh, Dave's full bio and all of his social links will be up on our website, truemultifamily.show. Dave, thanks for coming out. Oh,
0: Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Take thanks, care, Dan.
2: Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show, and if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.